Welcome to the Renew Life Church podcast. No matter what situation we find ourselves facing, we know that God wants to speak clearly to us. So wherever you're listening from today, we want to thank you for being here. Grab a cup of coffee and join us as we tune in to our Sunday conversation. How's everybody doing this evening? All right, I, I got I to gotta take a quick straw poll. Um, I got to... Your pastor doesn't have enough faith, I gotta be honest. I actually thought, man, it's our first time to do an afternoon service. Attendance will probably be a little light. We'll just work our way kind of into this whole afternoon thing. And then all y'all showed up. (laughs) So one of the things we had always talked about is, you know, when we go back to two services, kind of what would our times be? And so we always said that when we, we're gonna start with a five o'clock, but after it filled up, we went to two services, we'd go with a four and a six. A four and a six. And I kind of want to know, just this will help us out because we may do this next week. So um, if you would rather attend a four o'clock service, raise your hand. Not 4 a.m. That's them old school preachers getting up before Jesus gets up. None of that here. 4 a.m., okay, 6 p.m. Oh, look at that. Nice, right down the middle. Okay, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. We're going to figure it out. Um, how about this building, huh? <laughs> Such an incredible thing to just realize we actually get to stay here. Like, we're not borrowing it. We actually get to stay here. So, and can we, just, can we just give the worship team a round of applause? I just, my goodness. That is my favorite part about church is, is the worship service. So I just, I love, love, love worship. I love that we don't have any time restrictions and we can worship as long as we want to. So I absolutely, absolutely love it. But all right, if you got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter three. We're gonna jump into it. I'll just be honest with you. I'm not really one of those people that likes to do like sentimental services and or even super catchy sometimes about, oh, this is our first service in the building. I don't have anything catchy about the number one and what it means and all that good stuff. We're just gonna get right into it. Is everybody okay with that? jump right into it. Uh, I want to talk to you today about what to expect when following Jesus. What to expect when following Jesus. I feel pretty confident that a lot of times people want to follow Jesus, but they get derailed when something they didn't expect happens. Anybody ever encountered the unexpected? It's called 2020. (laughs) Every day of 2020. (laughs) I really believe this. I think a lot of people get distracted. They get derailed. They find themselves in a place that they didn't plan to be. They don't even want to be, not because they're bad people, but simply because they didn't really know all the way what to expect when it came to following, following Jesus. I've had this happen. Some of you may have had this happen before where you're at a table or maybe you're at your house and you knew you were drinking water. And you grab a cup that looked like yours, and when you take a drink, it's like Dr. Pepper or something. Anybody ever done that? And then you make the most ridiculous face as if what you were drinking was poison. You're like, oh, what was that? Anybody, anybody sitting next to a drama queen? How about this? How, anybody sitting next to a drama king? Way more hands went up that time. <laughs> I'm gonna start at something now. No, it's, it's interesting because, like, especially if you're a Dr. Pepper fan, Dr. Pepper's good. If you like, and we all know we need water, we like water, so water's good, but it's interesting your response to something 
Not because it's bad, just because you weren't expecting it. Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with it, it's just not what you were expecting. I just want you to know today, following Jesus comes with totally different seasons. Totally different seasons, some that are good and others that are good for you. And sometimes the ones that are good for you don't feel good. And I think if we're not careful when when we're navigating these seasons and we go from a season that was really, really good to a season that will be really, really good for you, it's in those moments that we get distracted. It's in those moments when we get derailed. It's when all of a sudden that things seem to have been going all, all, all the way you wanted them to go, that things are going the direction you want them to go, and then all of a sudden something changes. A season changes. Something shifts, and it's and it's not as, as good as it was. But can I just tell you this? Oftentimes, how we handle the seasons that are good for us make the seasons that are good happen more often. Think about that. How we navigate those seasons that maybe they weren't good, but they're good for us, make those seasons that are good happen more often. In Matthew chapter 3, I'll read this. And a lot of us know this this passage of scripture starting in verse 13 this is the story of Jesus getting baptized and it says and Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him and John tried to prevent him saying I need to be baptized by you and you're coming to me but Jesus answered and said to him permit it to be so for thus it is fitting for for us to fulfill all righteousness and then he allowed him and when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending upon him like a dove. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This moment is universally recognized by, by so many as this is the moment when Jesus was commissioned into ministry by his father. He had been living a perfect and we, we got to think about this. He had been living 30 years, roughly 30 years, and he had been living perfect. He had done everything right. He had been completely faithful for 30 years. And now as a reward, it seems, the father said, okay, now it's time. It's time for you to go into your ministry. He was baptized. You saw the spirit of God coming upon him, lighting upon him like a dove. Then a voice from the heaven cries out. His own heavenly father cries out, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, what's to me the most fascinating part of this story is the next verse. Not this verse, but the next verse that actually starts in a completely different chapter. In chapter four, verse one, it says then this. Mind you, this is the father who just told the son, the spirit of God just landed on him and the father just said, I am already pleased with you. How many of you guys would love that if your father just told you, man, I'm already, I'm already pleased with you. Well, listen to what the father that was pleased with his son did next. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Thanks a lot, Big G. I mean, I thought you said you were pleased with me. I thought I was doing something right. I thought I was doing all the good. I mean, I, you, I mean, this is just the most incredible thing. 30 years, done everything you've asked me to do. Then I have this incredible moment where I'm baptized. Spirit of the God, Spirit of the Lord comes upon me. And then I hear your voice from the heavens. And I don't know that this may be the first time Jesus has heard his father's voice since he left heaven in the first place. And all of a sudden he hears his father say, I love you. And I'm already pleased with you. And the very next thing is, He's led by the Spirit of God. He's led by God 
into a wilderness so that he could be tempted by the devil. It's, and I was just reading this, and it's almost as if, not this isn't true, but just think about this. It's almost as if Jesus or God had a plan, and he was like setting, almost like he was setting Jesus up. He gets him into the wilderness, and all of a sudden the devil's there to tempt him. Does the fact that Jesus was led into a wilderness season to be tempted by the devil, did Jesus get off track somewhere? Did he get off track? Was this an attack of the enemy? Because it says the Spirit of the God, the Spirit of the Lord is what, who led him there in the first place. So this is not an attack of the enemy. Is, is this Jesus needing to prove something to God? Here's, here's one that you really need to understand. Did the fact that Jesus led him into this place all of a sudden mean that God isn't good? See, a lot of us find ourselves in places that are tough, and all of a sudden we start questioning, is God really good? Is he really good? I mean, if he's so good, then why am I here? Anybody else? Come on, be honest. You ever been there? If he's good, and I'm forgiven, and I'm righteous, and I'm his beloved, then why am I not in a good season? Because you may be transitioning into a season that's not just good. It's a season that's good for you. God will often lead us in to pain and pressure. Just let that marinate for a little bit. We're going to put it in the crock pot, just leave it there for a few minutes. Why am, I, why am I telling you that God would lead us into pain or that God would lead us into pressure? Now, let's be clear. It's the thief that comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. I'm not saying he leads you to places to be, kept, be killed, to be destroyed. I, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, and the scripture's full of it, we just, I don't think sometimes we just know what to do with it. We don't know how to navigate this concept of, okay, he's good, but now I'm in this season, and it's like, how can this possibly be God? Anybody ever been there where you've, you've just were 100% certain, 100% certain you heard God speak to you, that you knew God had a plan for this particular situation, and you took a bold step of faith, and then you were like, oh, shoot. <laughs> or, oh, something else. Uh, I know this, I, I know for a fact that God will lead you into places of pain and into places of pressure. Let me tell you how I know, because I'm married. <laughs> Just dive right in. I got you, boo, I got you. Because <laughs> I'm married. I'm 100% convinced with all of my heart, I know without a shadow of a doubt, I did not miss God when I married my wife. She's the one for me. She's the only one I've ever really wanted. But I can also say that in those moments that this perfect person for me has not always been the thing that made me feel the best. Have you ever noticed the people you love the most can also hurt you the worst? We... We, we find ourselves where we're like, oh, this is, this is the one for me. This is the God one. This is the one God made for me. And we all know the, all, the, all the little uh, cliches about the honeymoon phase and all this, but it, it actually is true. There's a honeymoon phase where there's a, it, it's incredible. It's euphoric at times, but then, there's, then, the, then the first time that they don't all the way agree with what you said. Or the worst, when they don't want to watch the channel you want to watch. 
Or maybe just in a moment of their weakness, they hurt your feelings. Or in a moment of their brokenness, they break you. Heard this phrase a long time ago, and it's so true. Sometimes hurting people hurt people. Imperfect people do imperfect things all the time. I think in moments like this, and I just want to start kind of sliding to the right just a little bit on this. I think in moments like this when we've, we find ourselves in marriage as one of them, it could be a job that you felt like God told you to take a leap of faith and take this new job or start this your own business or have a kid or, or whatever leap of faith you're in. You, you, you take this leap of faith and all of a sudden it starts to not work out the way that you thought it would work out. And particularly when it comes to marriage, I think one of the number one reasons that people get off track when things don't go the way that they had hoped is because they're under the influence of this lie that it's all about me. It's all about me. I found most people, this is when they, this is when they really get off. When they're, God speaks, they respond. It doesn't go the way that they thought it was gonna go. And all of a sudden, you start looking at you. Why is this happening to me? This isn't fair to me. I can't believe they said this to me. I can't believe they did this to me. My, um, my mom and dad are this incredible picture of really when God does something so sovereign that it takes years to figure out. My mom, if you knew my mom, uh, she, she was not raised in a very healthy home environment. She, had, she was abused by all the men basically in her life from a very young age. And so all the years of this abuse built up walls of mistrust, of brokenness, and all this stuff that was going on on the inside of her. And of course, she met my dad when they were in high school. They were high school sweethearts. And my, my dad and my mom got married. And can I just say this? Well, first of all, my, my dad is one of the most, if you know my dad, he's one of the most patient, kind people you've ever met. Patient, kind of people. I mean, never heard a fly. I'm so thankful my dad, my dad never told dirty, dirty jokes about women. Never. I never saw pornography for the first time because of my dad. I never even heard my dad say anything disrespectful about another woman. And God puts him with this, this woman who every, every man she'd ever been with in her life or been around in her life or was involved in her life did something to hurt her. I watched this growing up. I watched my mom as, because I see I, my parents were first generation Christians, first generation Jesus followers. And so it, they didn't just grow up in a great environment. They didn't grow up in church. They, they were hungry, so they were, they were missing something, so they went looking for it. And I, I, want, I watched this growing up. I watched times where my mom was trying to work through some of the things that had happened to her her whole life. And I would oftentimes see my dad take the rough end of the, of the, the, the raw end of the deal, if you want to say it that way, not because there was something wrong with him, it's because there was something wrong with them in the past. And I want you to just imagine what it would have been like is if when my mom was working through some of those things that all of a sudden my dad said, wait a minute, this was the woman of my dreams. Why is she treating me like this? Why am I in this situation? I thought this was the thing that's right for me. But all of a sudden, since things weren't going the way I thought they were go, he said, hey, sorry, Karen, I'm out. I'm out. See, my, my dad understood that and set an amazing example for me and my brothers that, hey, just because things aren't going the way that they're supposed to, maybe it's not about me. 
Maybe there's some moments where, I mean, I didn't say anything to get this type of response, but it's not about me. What if in moments when things weren't going the way you thought they should go or think they should go, that you could embrace this philosophy? Hey, what if I'm not here to get blessed? What if I'm here to be a blessing? I sat there and I watched my dad in his patience and his kindness allow my mom to work through the things that she needed to work through because in this moment, my dad wasn't, it wasn't about him getting the girl of his dreams. It was about helping my mom become the woman she was called to be. I think so oftentimes when things don't go the way we want them to go, all we can think about is us, how this is affecting us, how this is, how this is not what I wanted. This will help, help a lot of marriages right now. I want you to consider, I actually, feel, I actually feel the Lord on this right now. I want you to consider that what you're going through, maybe there was a divine setup where God put, see, that I know for a fact God put my mom and my dad together because only a man like my dad could help a woman like my mom. And I want you just to consider that the person you're with, maybe God didn't put them in your life for you. Maybe he put you in their life. Now, we know he does it both ways, but can you just see how just a small change of thinking might make you stop thinking about what they're not and start believing for what they could be? This will be real fun. Just say this. Say, it's not about me. And turn to your neighbor and say, it's not about you either. No, that's actually not Christian at all. That was not, that really, no, that didn't work out. A lot of you know this, but my wife and I just a few months ago, we moved to Lubbock and uh, to, to plan our next church and uh, things have already been going so incredibly well. But can I just say this? I didn't move to Lubbock because it was convenient. I didn't move to Lubbock because it was easy. In fact, we moved to Lubbock and you know what we're doing? Setting up and tearing down in another building. <laughs> See, it would have been more convenient if it was about me to say, you know what, Lord, Lubbock's fine. Lubbock will be fine. Everything's fine. Let me just take a few months off and just enjoy this. My kids are fine. If you have kids, I've got, I've got uh, a 15, 11, a 2. Uh, I've got a, a good little spread there. And um, I don't know if you've ever had to move schools when you were older. It's, and you've got all your friends, your established friends. It's not convenient to leave all the people that you know to go try to introduce yourself to people that you don't. It's not easy. It's not easy once you've kind of got yourself established in one place to go to a place that's completely unfamiliar and reestablish your family. Re I mean, they don't even have H-E-B yet. <laughs> Jesus. It's coming. It's coming. They're building it right now. Jesus is alive. <laughs> it's, not, it's not convenient it's not convenient to uproot your family and move in the middle of a pandemic. It's not easy to have to tell the church that you love, that's your firstborn, to say, hey, the Lord's telling me to move. Sometimes what's convenient for the culture is not what's 
beneficial for the kingdom. There's been, and I, won't, I don't want to make it a, a bit of a sob story, but it's like, I can just tell you, it hasn't been easy. This is my fourth trip back and forth to Lubbock, or from Lubbock to Midland this week. There's been a lot of travel. There's been a lot of trying to figure out how are we supposed to do this with, with kids and sports and, and still, still take care of our family and, and, and still take care of our church and do all the things that God has for us. And I can't, I'll be really, really honest with you. There's been times where I'm like, Lord, I think you, I think you, I think you missed it or I missed it. Somebody missed it because this has not been easy. But again, like I said to start this, if, you're, if you don't understand how God works in seasons and that some seasons will be good, but other seasons will just be good for you, then you'll start questioning whether you even hear God in the first place. You'll start questioning whether the pain is worth it. You'll start questioning whether this thing could be real or you start questioning, did I just make the biggest mistake of my life? If you don't understand that some seasons are good and other seasons are simply good for you. I wrote this down. Um, oftentimes, a word from God isn't to get you to a place. It's to get you on a journey. This one, this one will ruffle some feathers. Did you know that sometimes God will give you a word that he never intends for you to complete? He will literally sometimes say something and hope you never get there. Some of you are going, you're going to prove that one, Pastor. <laughs> Genesis chapter 21. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. Then he said, he, meaning God, said to Abraham, now take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. Did God need Isaac dead? Did he, did he need Isaac dead? He didn't need Isaac dead. He needed Abraham on a journey. He needed Abraham to test his faith. God didn't need to know where Abraham was in his faith. Abraham needed to know where Abraham was in his faith. And there are times that sometimes God will speak to you. I've had this happen. I know for a fact this happens. This happened to me years ago where God will speak to you. And you'll have spiritual mothers or spiritual fathers or pastors or somebody in your life that's leading and guiding you. And you'll go to that, that person and say, I feel like the spirit of the Lord spoke to me. I feel like God spoke to me. And here's what he told me to do. And then you pour your heart and soul out to him and they go, uh-uh, wrong. I believe with all of my heart that both can be true, that God did speak to you and he did not speak to them. And it's in that moment where he's, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. How do you handle it when someone you say you trust tells you something you don't like? How do you handle it when someone who you love does something you don't like? I was... That's how I got to Midland. I, I was in a situation where, and some of you know this story, but I, I had a moment with the Lord where I, I just felt like he was calling me to come to Midland and my heart, and this is actually what I told the Lord. I said, Lord, if, if I'm supposed to go, I want you to put the people of Midland in my heart. 
And the presence of God filled my truck so strong that I had to pull over on the side of the road. I was just weeping because I could feel the love of God for a people. And I just, and I told some of this story uh, at the grand opening Thursday night, but I didn't tell the rest of the story because what happened is, is I was like, man, I, I heard from God. This is one of the most incredible moments of my life. I know what I'm called to do. I know what I was born to do. I'm moving to Midland. So I go to my pastor and I said, pastor, the, I feel like the Lord spoke to me. I know there's an opening down there for pastor. And I, I, uh, I feel like that's supposed to be me. And he, with no hesitation, looked right back at me and said, you're not going anywhere. And I was like, but did you hear the God told me part? Like, me and him talked about this. Like, did he not talk to you? Like, and I'm telling you, for the first time in my life, I was in this situation where I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I believe in spiritual fathers. I believe in submitting your life to someone. I believe in this, but I also know God spoke. And I'm fully convinced that the main thing in that moment was not that God needed to get me to Midland. He needed to, he needed to see how I was going to handle the journey of getting to Midland. And I remember just struggling with this. I went back and told him, I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. My, my pastor's saying this. My spiritual father's saying this. And, but I know that God is saying this. And I don't know how to do both. And uh, I, I wrestled on the inside. And ministry was what I was born to do. I knew it was what I was born to do. And... At the moment, all I could come up with was, Lord, how do I honor both? How do I do both? And I thought to myself, I was like, well, if I give up ministry, if I give up vocational ministry and I, and I go back to Midland and just get a job in the oil and gas industry again, I can serve his church in Midland for free and not take a paycheck. And I can still do what you said, which is go serve the city of Midland. And I can do what he said, which is I'm not the pastor of that church. I can somehow do both. And so I, we were in a meeting and I was wrestling with this and I'd actually lined up a couple of interviews back in Midland uh, to go back to work in the oil and gas industry. And we were in a meeting and they just kind of dropped it on me in this meeting. Like, hey, we're, we're making some changes, some infrastructure changes. We're actually fixing to put you over everything on this campus in Amarillo. You're gonna be kind of like the campus director and you're gonna be over this and you're gonna be over this. And I mean, I was, my heart was beating 5,000 miles an hour because I'm like, I'm not gonna be here but I haven't told you. <laughs> and I mean, my conscience, it just was eating me up. And me, me Leanne and I, this is, this is not faith. This is just straight fear. We were like, we can't tell them because what if they fire us? We don't have anywhere to go, you know. And in just this moment of courage, that just kind of welled up, courage or fear one, I just was like, hey, I, I, I really need to tell you something. And I said, I need everybody out of the room. And I made the whole staff leave the room. And there was just the, direct, the directors of the ministry there. And I said, look, I, I don't know another way to say this. Like, I know the Lord spoke to me and I'm supposed to go to Midland. And, but I told you that I was submitted to you. And if you say I'm not the pastor of that church, I get it. And I also told you that I would serve you faithfully. And the only way for, I know for, for me to do both is for me to stop working in full-time ministry, go get a job in, in the oil and gas industry in Midland and serve your church down there so that I can do both of the things that I feel like I'm supposed to do. And he said, well, yeah, we, we definitely need to talk about this. And uh, so I left, and I, I, Leanne actually wasn't in the meeting, and I, I called her, because we had agreed not to tell anybody. And um, so I get in the car, I say, hey, uh, honey bumpkin, sugar pie, whatever. So I did a thing, and I told her, I was like, hey, I, I just, I couldn't stand it anymore. And she's like, what? And I was like, I know, I, I just, if you'd have heard what was going on in the room, it was just so much pressure, and I didn't know what to do, and I felt like I was lying and all this stuff, and... And she says, well, we're just going to have to trust God. And so that night, 
they called and said, hey, we'd like to meet with you and Leanne first thing in the morning. And I was like, yep, we're getting fired. <laughs> and uh, we go to the meeting and we walk in and as soon as we walk in, the pastor turns to the HR lady and says, uh, who's also one of the directors of ministry, and he says, well, why don't you start the meeting? And so she gets up there and just very matter of fact and said, hey, we would like to offer you and Leanne the campus pastor position in Midland, Texas, and you the worship pastor position in Midland, Texas, and this is going to be your salary, and it was more money than we had ever made before. And we were just like, it was just like, what, what, what is happening here? And I told, at some point in the meeting, they're telling us all this, and I'm just, I couldn't believe what I was hearing, and I said, hey, time out, stop. I said, I, I don't want to feel like I pressured you into something because that was not my heart. I wasn't trying to get my way by, by doing it this way. I said, I was literally trying to honor. And I said, so I, I would like to know, you told me I was not supposed to be the pastor of that church. Why has that changed all of a sudden? And he said, well, last night after we left, I, I went to prayer and I took it before the Lord. And he told me that that was your Isaac. Moving to Midland was your Isaac. And, because, and being the pastor of that church was your Isaac. And because that was your Isaac and you were willing to put it on the altar, he gave it back. Because I'm fully convinced that sometimes it's not so much about the destination. It's about the journey on how you got there. Can I just say with all that our country's going through right now, your stance on certain things is not really the issue. Whether you're pro-mask or anti-mask or pro-this or pro-that, it's really not the issue. It's not the destination that's the real issue. It's the journey that you're on. And what's guiding your journey? We've, we started the year with this, and I just, I'm curious. This is a year that we're supposed to be believing the prophets, so shall you prosper. I'm, I'm wondering how many guys are still holding on to the words of the prophets right now? How many of you still holding on to the words of the, of the prophets right now? Or have you gotten wrapped up in what's going on in politics and wrapped up what's going on with coronavirus and wrapped up what's going on with, with, with oil and gas prices? Is, I really feel strongly about this. The Lord is wondering, how are you doing on your journey? Because I, I felt so strongly, that we all felt so strongly that the Lord was saying that this was a year, believe the prophets, so shall you prosper. And then prophets around the world started declaring in this season, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, how are you doing? Are you spending more time taking a stand or going low? It's not so much about your stance, whether you're pro this, that, no. Are you going low in your journey? How much time have you spent praying? Have you made any changes whatsoever to your prayer life? We all, it's like, a, it's like a New Year's resolution. We all come out of the gates just Shonda. I mean, we're praying all over everything, you know. <laughs> Look, this is, not, this, is not a, this is not supposed to be condemning. I, I'm, gonna, I, I'm gonna just go here for just a second. I'm a couple minutes over, so we're gonna land the land this plane right quick I felt very strongly that this I, I didn't feel this Thursday but I felt it come on me today I knew that this was a, this this first Sunday service not just the grand opening and it's more of like a celebration it's just different but this this service was different and I I've, I've felt this for a while but I believe that us moving into this building is is 
is us moving into a new season. And it's a season where the Lord is asking us to stop just gathering and actually start following. Don't just show up to church. Actually follow Jesus. This last, this, the first seven years of this ministry, we have done everything I know to do to make Jesus the number one thing. Make Jesus the number one thing. It's why we take communion. It's actually very expensive for us to take communion. It would save us quite a bit of money in the budget if we didn't pass out hundreds of communion elements every single Sunday. But we've done everything we know to do to make sure he stays the chief cornerstone of the church. Here recently, I've had the Lord have me start reading entire chapters of the Bible at once, uh, particularly the, the letters that Paul wrote to the early churches. And he said, I want you to get a feel for, for what he's saying because every single one of those letters, it wasn't just a letter like we read it. And we, we can cherry pick. We have the whole book now. We can take this verse here and plug it in. We can almost kind of situate, at times you can kind of situate the scriptures to pretty much say whatever you want them to say. But the Lord, Lord was like, no, I want you to read the whole thing as if, it's, if it was a message. Because that's what it was. It was a message. It was a sermon. Paul writing a sermon. Someone would read his letters out to the church, and it would be the sermon for the day. And one of the things that I, I began to understand and, and, would, and would notice was that Paul spent the front end of almost every single letter that he wrote reminding people who they were in Christ. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not, no longer Jew and Gentile, just one under. And he would preach Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then somewhere in the middle of his letter, it's like he had like maybe bipolar or something because he would switch gears and he would start letting them have it. It's like, whoa, Paul, can we go back to that Jesus message? I said this several, several months ago, but one of his messages, like, hey, one of you in there sleeping with your mother-in-law? Can you imagine sitting in church right now if all of a sudden I just call one of y'all out and be like, you, you got a doobie in your wallet. <laughs> Thing is, there's probably a few people going, oh my God, oh, oh, shoot. <laughs> that ain't no snuffering, right there. that is something different. Oh. But what I, what, as I've been reading this, I've just been like, man, what a contrast. It's like he came out of the gate with such love, with such affirmation, with such identity. It's just incredible. But then he would get, he would get strong. He would get, I mean, he'd get really, really strong, and he would bring correction, and he was saying, we're going to do this, and this is what we're going to do with leadership, and I don't want to hear no more of this grumbling about this. And I mean, he just got really, really strong. And the Lord, began, as I was reading this, book after book, and I was reading this, the Lord began to talk to me. He's like, look, I need people to know who they are in Christ." so I can train them for what I want them to do for me. So that if I need to say something strong, it doesn't attack their identity, it just encourages their destiny. That you, you act, Jesus is not just grace and Jesus is not just truth. He is grace and truth and they're not in competition. But it is so important that you know who God says that you are in Christ Jesus so that when he says who you're being to your wife, you don't get confused. Did you hear what I said? You need to be able to hear him say, I, I love you, I will always love you, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, but you need to stop talking to her that way. And your response is not, oh God, 
I'm terrible. I'm just gonna, you know what? It's, I'm just, she's better off without me. I'll just divorce her and leave. No, that you say, okay. Yes, sir. I'm gonna work on that. That is not works. Saying you're gonna start doing what you, the best you can do to start looking more like Jesus, that is not work. We have, I've done this, but we've taught this wrong. The righteousness of God should lead to righteous works. Knowing who you are in Christ Jesus should give you the courage and the security to grow the flip up. Thanks for tuning in today. You can stay connected with Renew Life Church by following us on Facebook or Instagram or by visiting our website at www.renewlifechurch.com. We love you and hope you feel encouraged from this message today.